Hey, welcome back to Sermon Notes. I'm Michael. And I'm Clark. And we're here with Josh, our producer. And Sermon Notes is a podcast being produced at Fellowship Bible Church in Fayetteville. As we work our way through 1 Timothy, uh, we're talking about these passages around the office and in our meetings. And the idea of the podcast was, uh, man, we wish people could just be in on these conversations and hear what we're talking about and maybe hear some of the things that don't make it into the sermon each week. And so, Clark, you're preparing to teach this week in the book of 1 Timothy. We're about halfway through chapter 2. And Man, we've been talking all week about how the context of this letter is so important to understand it rightly. Yeah, that's well said, Michael. Um, you know, when you read this passage um, by itself, uh, verses 8 to 15 of chapter 2, uh, and you don't understand context, and you can you can get off the rails pretty quick. And so when you think about 1 Timothy, um, it's a letter written by Paul to Timothy. He explicitly states in chapter 1 why he's writing. He's trying to protect the young church from false teaching. And he also says in chapter 3, 14 and 15, that he's trying to um, uh, help uh, help Timothy uh, put the household of God in order um, through his life and also in the life of the church and how people treat one another and how there's order set up and leadership structure. Yeah, so there is... A flow to the book. Yeah. Last week, we saw him talk about what he wants for men. He wants men to pray. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week, we're going to see what he wants for the leadership of the church. That's right. Um, but some of the commands that we're going to look at in this this week's teaching um, specifically address women. Yeah. And he starts with uh, their dress. Um we always say around my household, modest is hottest. Yeah, uh, I don't right. know if that's what Paul's driving at here. Why, <laughs> why does Paul start off talking to women about their clothing? Yeah, again, I would say that um, if you consider the greater context of the book, a lot of his emphasis to uh, combat false teaching is to present both men and women as men and women of character and godliness. It's not just right thinking, but it's right behavior and kind of being the right kind of person. And so for women who are coming into the gathered assembly, I think that's another context thing we need to consider, uh, what he's speaking of is how we do church at church, or for some of us in our community group settings. And so to have a healthy expression, if men are supposed to pray with clean hands, then women are supposed to dress appropriately in a modest way so as not to bring attention to themselves, uh, not to flaunt their wealth, what they could wear, um, to show off their class, if you will, in society, um, or to bring any unnecessary attention that could be sexually suggestive, um, kind of importing the culture into the church setting. We've got to be careful with that. And so I think he's, he wants the men to be holy when they pray, clean hands, clean heart. And uh, I think this is just a compliment to that. He wants the women to dress in a modest fashion. Yeah, there at the end so, of chapter 10 when he says they should be, no, or verse 10, I mean to say, they should be known uh, for their good works, their good deeds. Uh, that would be true yeah. for all of us, men and women. That's right. Um, that we'd be more concerned about our behavior and our good works um, that God's given us to do than our appearance. And since we're on this, um, this is an extra podcast, you'll get stuff here that you might not get on a Sunday morning. First uh, Peter 3, 1 to 7 would be a good cross-reference. Different situation, but the same kind of language. He's trying to focus on the character of a woman being her inner beauty and not what she wears on the outside. 
So that'd be a great cross-reference um, for those who are studying. And I can't help but think that you were talking about the context of the letter. Here they are in the shadow of this temple of Artemis, uh, this goddess yeah. who undoubtedly did not promote modesty, good That's deeds. Correct. The worship of this goddess did not lead women to wear modest clothing and present themselves in a godly way. So he's writing into a culture where these women are going to look a lot different than the culture around them. Yeah. Um, because of the way they're going to present themselves. Yeah, and, and if you consider, I mean, on our Sunday morning in a room of a thousand people, um, it's light, it's dark. Um, you know, some of this stuff you might miss, but if you consider their worship gathering in a courtyard or someone's home, and you consider the different types of people that have come to Christ based on their Gentile past, their Jewish past, I mean, maybe you have 25, 30 folks in a gathering reading, doing church together, reading the scripture, um, it could get pretty distracting pretty quick Yeah, in a, in a group that small for right. sure. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, just definitely focused on the outside or the inside of a woman and her character seems to be uh, the woman's responsibility here in this passage. Yeah. At least. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned it there. So they're, there, these churches in Ephesus that he's writing to Timothy to shepherd, they're probably meeting in homes, courtyards, the atrium of a home, something like that. Uh, and the next thing he talks about is teaching in these gathered assemblies. What, what's what's Paul trying to point Timothy toward when it comes to the responsibilities of the teacher? Yeah, yeah. It seems like um, here. I mean, the, the imperative for a woman in verse eleven to let a woman learn, and she does that in a. She's exhorted to do that in a quiet, in a submissive manner. Uh, someone just say that that's in a, in a respectful way. It doesn't mean she's completely silent, but the spirit of her demeanor is one of peace, and it's respectful of the authority in its place. And it seems like the teaching uh, that he's speaking of here, if you take into context sound doctrine to combat false teaching, and you take into context... Um, chapter 3, the teaching he's speaking of here is likely um, the teaching that accords with the teachings of Jesus, sound doctrine, and solid New Testament teaching and, and doctrine on how, that the church is founded upon. And that teaching, uh, in context, seems to be reserved or done by male leadership in the church. And what we'll see in chapter 3 next week qualified male leadership, men who have good character. Yeah, it's and interesting so, that that Paul says, let a woman learn, because that wasn't the cultural norm at the time, especially in the Jewish world, where a rabbi would have said, women aren't supposed to learn. And right. so Jesus and the early church really elevated women um, that they could come and learn and serve and be disciples. And they elevated the role and status of women way more than the culture that they were living in. Yeah, the first thing I thought of when I was reading this was the scene with Mary and Martha and how Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and learned under this rabbi, if you will. And Jesus was uh, turning the page on giving opportunity to women to be his disciple and to learn in that fashion. And so you see that uh, a similar thing happen here as Paul is elevating the role of a woman in the assembly and giving them opportunity to be educated and learn uh, not just Old Testament Torah, but now the New Testament teachings as well. And um, then in this context of not permitting a woman to exercise authority over a man, he points us back to Genesis, specifically Genesis chapter 3, 
what's what's the argument Paul's making here from the Old Testament? Yeah, that's good. You know, it seems like he's he's going back to the created order. A man was created first. Is the way he words it here. He's going back to the created order. This is something that God had in mind before the fall, but he also acknowledges the fall um, in the deception of Eve, and then they both sin, and they they both actually end up becoming transgressors. And so, pre-fall, post-fall, he seems to be saying, "Hey, look, not it's not just a woman is susceptible to deception. Men are too, actually." Um, but he's saying in our brokenness and then in the way God created men and women, he's created men to be the head or to lead in a servant way. And what's interesting in, in this passage, and we'd have to go to other passages in the New Testament, but um, two times uh, Adam is blamed for the fall of man, and two times in the New Testament Eve is blamed for the fall of man. And so it's just his focus here on this context is to show what happens. I think in some cases, when the man abdicates his leadership, um, in this case, Eve was deceived and became a transgressor. And so I think he's elevating um, not the role of a man in terms of power, but of responsibility to shepherd. And I think that's probably more the spirit of the passage than this, this obsession with rank, um, just to control or manipulate, it feels like it's more of a shepherding thing to protect the young church from false teaching. And so maybe that's a little too much there, but um, I feel like he's leaning into the created order to remind us, hey, this is a thing for all times, all places, and while it's a specific instance in Ephesus at this time, it's something that's applicable today as well. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah that helps so, us see how we can apply it in a 21st century yeah. uh, church context. Then the hardest verse, maybe in the whole book, <laughs> Clark, verse 15, yet yeah. she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. Wow. What is he saying? What is he saying? Well, I think we can know from, if you let Scripture interpret Scripture, what he's not saying. So we know that, uh, childbearing does not grant a woman salvation. We know that there are women that will that may never have children, so that takes that off the table. And we know that Christian women have died bearing children. And so the word um, so-so is still used there. It can mean delivered or preserved or saved, if you will. And so that is used there. And so, um, you know, there's I've, I've read up to six different views on what this means. Um, probably one of the ones that is the most intriguing is that this refers to some kind of reference to Christ and a woman being saved as uh, someone point that, that Mary is a woman in her role. She gave birth to the Christ child. And in doing so, she provided salvation for all of us. And that's a pretty important role that a woman has. So that's been put out there. Michael, I mean, other views that you've Studied, yeah. I consider. mean, I, I think that that idea that it's pointing back to that message in Genesis three um, that um, there'll be one born of a woman whose heel will be bruised, but he'll crush the serpent. Genesis three fifteen. Yeah, yeah. So that that 
definitely seems to be in view here. I also think the idea that just um, women have a critical role to play and childbearing oftentimes is part of that. And so some things uh, seem to be reserved for men, but one thing we know is reserved for women is giving birth. And so not every woman, like you said, and I don't think when he says saved here, he's referring to eternal salvation, like you said. Um, But yeah, it's a it's a little bit of an enigmatic verse. I would be yeah. I would be cautious about being too dogmatic yeah, about what no that verse says. And it and it seems like the role that she has in that, if you consider childbearing not just the process and product of the actual birth event, if it encompasses this whole um, nurturing, this child rearing experience, um, maybe in our culture we've elevated the role of maybe a male teacher at the expense of the role of a woman and her, what she brings to nurturing the church as a healthy mother um, in that whole experience. And, you know, maybe we've even uh, de-emphasized the role and the value of mother in our culture, um, not at the expense of them necessarily working or not working in or outside the home. But um, I don't know, Michael, I feel like maybe he's, reminding us that they have a role to play that men can't play. Yeah. And so let's be faithful in that role. You've got other gifts that you can use to serve the church, but let's lean into this role Yeah, and uh, and value. And for us as church members, um, to honor our sisters in Christ and the things that they bring. Yeah. Well, every week we want to, uh, we want to sort of wrap up our time with, uh, what what's the what's the lesson here? So what what's kind of a walk away, especially as yeah. we gather in our community groups and talk about this passage? Yeah. What what does Fellowship Fayetteville need to learn from this passage? Well, I think for sure we have to remember the greater biblical context that um, in Genesis Genesis one twenty seven that men or women are created equal in the image of God in terms of their personhood, their dignity, their value, their worth, but they have distinct roles that they play in the church. And so it's an important distinction because we come to the table equal in God's image, but also in Christ, as we're reminded in uh, Galatians 3, that, um, that in Christ we're one, we're made equal in Him. But this isn't a power issue necessarily, it's an issue of responsibility. And um, God in His good grace have set up men to, to shepherd um, the congregation and in our case at Fellowship Fayetteville and at our fellowship churches, uh, we believe that role is reserved for male eldership who have great character and who can teach the scriptures. And so next so, week, yeah. that's exactly what we'll be yeah. looking at, those 15 characteristics yeah. that he's going to list for those overseers, he that's calls right. them. And so we hope that this podcast is useful for you as you study this book on your own, as you discuss it in your Bible studies and in your community groups, as you come on Sunday morning to worship. And we hope you'll join us again next week as we'll press on in 1 Timothy on sermon notes from Fellowship Fayetteville. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Michael.